This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. It's Friday, and if you're looking forward to a perfectly happening weekend, you've tuned in to just the right place. We've already picked your poison, and it's a hot story served cold. India's gin revolution. There's a genesis of Indian-made boutique gins that are adding much more than just the spice on the bar shelf. Leading the distilled, shaken, and stirred revolution of sorts are brands like Greater Than, one of India's first artisanal gins, which is now outsold. Long-time frontrunner Bombay Sapphire. But Greater Than is not alone. Grabbing the bartender's attention are the likes of Tamras, Hapusha, Stranger and Sons, Samsara, and Terai. The latest drinks market analysis data by IWSR or International Wines and Spirits Record shows that these gins doubled their sales in just two years, from around eighty thousand to over one hundred and sixty-eight thousand in twenty twenty-one. The genie is truly out of the bottle. So what's making young Indians go vocal for local gin? And when did a Tanqueray or a Hendrick have to start jostling for space on store shelves, bars, and dining tables with a greater than a Tamras or a Samsara? It's Friday, the seventeenth of June. You're listening to Indians Go Vocal for Local Gin on the Morning Brief. And I'm your host Ratna Bhushan. Do tune in to ET Play, our latest platform for all audio content, including the Morning Brief. A full house on the show with the who's who of India's gin 2.0 revolution. On the podcast today, Anand Virmani, co-founder of Now Spirits and Beverages, who started it all in 2017 by introducing greater than India's first artisanal craft gin. Along with him, Devika Bhagat joins in, the co-founder of Adventurous Spirits, who tumbled on her gin journey to Tamras when she was, in her own words, going through a midlife crisis. And we also have with us Yash Pange, co-founder at Hunger Inc Hospitality, which runs the Bombay Canteen, O Pedro, and Bombay Sweet Shop. Yash tells us why gin-based cocktails are flying off the menu. As the top-selling choice for the last four years. For starters, I was curious to find out: in a beer and whiskey-loving country like India, how did gin make its way? India did not really have a gin to call our own, or even a gin culture for that matter. There were a couple of gin brands already available, which were being imported. Things like Beefeater, Gordon's, uh, Tanqueray, Bombay Sapphire, and even Hendrix were available. They were all imported, but they were also really expensive without necessarily being craft. Whereas what everyone has been building, what the culture that's being built around the world, actually, with regards to gin, is more so around craft. So, so really, to be able to build. Gin culture. We needed a gin of our own, and the only gins that were being made in India at that point were uh, your uh, commercially produced cold compounded gins, uh, Blue Ribbon and Blue Moon, etc. They were doing lots of numbers, lots of volume, but again, priced at about two uh, hundred to three hundred rupees a bottle. 
So what's really changed is now we have this gin culture. We have people who like to call themselves gin enthusiasts and will discuss gin with you and, and will have gin collections at home. Now you can go to a party and um, ask for a gin and be given one, two, three, a couple of options at least. That was Anand telling me all that's changed in just a few years. His greater than brand outsold category leader Bombay Sapphire, owned by Bacardi and other well-known global brands such as Tanqueray and Gordon's last year. And his no-sleep gin, which blends gin and coffee, is trending up too. What's interesting is that the non-popularity of gin back in time gave birth to another local brand called Tamras. A Sanskrit word, it is a combination of copper, which is tam, and extract, ras. Devika, co-founder of this brand, shares how it all started. So Ratna, this actually goes back to my own preference for a spirit. Um, I used to be a vodka drinker in my 20s. And in 2008, um, when I visited a friend in London and I went to a bar and I ordered a vodka tonic, literally, it was, I think, one of the most embarrassing moments for my friend because she turned to me and she was like, no, you can't do that. Nobody drinks vodka anymore. You have to order a gin and tonic. And for me, gin living in India was basically just one brand, which was Blue Ribbon. And it was something that my auntie drank in the form of a gin fizz. I didn't know anybody that drank gin. And so I was like, okay, um, let me go for it. And this gin and tonic arrived um, with a cucumber stick in it. And as you may have assumed, it was Hendrix. And I was like, what is this drink? I want more of it. And that's when I became a gin drinker. When my husband Khalil Bachwali, who is my co-founder and I, decided to go forth, it was not about let's do something in the alcobav industry or let's start a distillery. It was literally, I suppose you can say a midlife crisis where we wanted to do something which was different to what we were doing as a day job. And as our 40th year approached in 2018, I think we were scrambling to find something that we could be passionate about. And so one of the few things that we had in common with each other was that we both were very passionate about gin cocktails, about visiting gin distilleries. It was literally saying, Khalil turning to me and saying, let's make gin. Devika and Khalil went on this incredible journey after they'd done some 18 years in the film and television industry. India's gin story gets even more interesting as Yash outlines the trend that struck root some five years back. In the last maybe five years, there was a global trend towards um, better gins being made, especially in Europe. In the gin and tonics, the trend continued and India always catches up a year or two later. Um, and with that advent, with more locally crafted gins being made out of made out of Goa at a great quality, but more importantly, affordability and accessibility in price, um, I think that's what helped tremendously. And I feel Indians, um, as an as a population, we are much more travelled, much more educated when it comes to our food and beverage tastes right now than we were five years ago. From Goa to Delhi to Mumbai, Indian craft gin, as my guests found out, presented itself as a category waiting to happen. As Anand says, consumers were keen 
and very warm to the idea of an Indian craft gin, something which took him too by surprise. found immediate acceptance and that was was quite a bit of a surprise for us we obviously didn't have the resources to go out there and supply willingly to all states so we really started from goa stepped into karnataka and we were there for the first year and a half in just these two states and the kind of response we were getting not just from within these states but from outside from people in delhi saying hey i'm traveling to goa where can i pick up a bottle or i'm tra- traveling to bangalore where can i pick up a bottle and uh, same goes with bombay and uh, other parts of uh, the country i'm, I'm wasn't necessarily just link just limited to the metropolitan cities i remember getting a message from someone in guwahati clearly that demand was already there the only question really for us was would people accept a gin that is locally made in our experience in all our collective experience growing up in the 90s and uh, you know early 2000s what we'd seen was local was a bit of a bad word if someone said uh, this is local it didn't denote that it was of the highest quality necessarily it was generally a thing saying oh that it's going to fall apart fairly quick so the fact that was not presented as a hurdle that's the bit i think that took us by surprise Well there is clearly high demand and there's an array of fascinating brands born in India another interesting brand there i a london dry style gin made in rajasthan by global spirits comes with 11 botanicals including tulsi rose petals coriander and fennel named after the terai region or the foothills of the himalayas it's probably the only craft gin that makes its own rice grain based spirit and the shubham khanna's gingin a gin with hemp as a key botanical the idea struck khanna when he was on a keto diet and would sprinkle hemp on his salads samsara the sanskrit word for sansar or the universe too was launched during the pandemic whether it's store shelves or bars gin cocktails have hit top requests who better than yash to tell me more I feel gin as a beverage is great for the Indian demographic because we are a country where it's always hot. Um I feel the momentum is also going to give rise to more gins being made in India and more people getting to try it out. When it comes to Bombay Canteen and and O Pedro our top selling cocktails for the last 4 years have always been gin based. So I feel in India if you look at a clear spirit we used to always move towards a vodka. because the only um indian gin and you wouldn't even call it a gin as per regulations was blue ribbon so local bars could not use a good gin to make a cocktail and now with the locally crafted gins such as stranger and sons i feel more gins are finding their way onto cocktail menus and which helps a lot in just educating people on what a great gin cocktail can be While gin was gaining popularity, I wondered how Indian brands gained the confidence to take on the already established international ones like Gordons, Beef Eater, and Bombay Sapphire. Devika shares her own experience. Now, for the last ten to twelve years, the ginessence around the world has really taken over. Gin as a spirit has come from being a drink for maybe. Um, a few older people in in the uk in europe to be becoming a drink for all ages the reason why we were very confident 
about producing a craft gin in a country like India, which had almost a no gin scene. I think most of our confidence came from the fact that there was a ginessence around the world that the craft industry, whether it was in gin or in whiskey or in rum or agave spirits, was really booming around the world. And now we have become such a globalized um, world that trends that happen in one country always transcend borders. And what's more important to look at is for the last five, seven years, the homegrown industry in India is really being encouraged by people who are our base consumers at that time. We were talking about international pouring gins. It was the kind that you would maybe pick up from duty-free on your travels or something that was really expensive at that time, a 10,000 rupees for a craft gin, like a botanist. And so there was a gap in the market and we knew that people wanted to really um, try Indian craft gins or craft gins in particular. There, there was a very wide gap in the market. The category did, however, have to deal with its share of issues as recent as around seven years back, though it was quick to recover. Anand traces the journey of gin transitioning from uncool to the new cool. In 2010-2011, when I was working with a company called William Grants, and one of the brands that we, we were charged with was Hendrix Gin. And when we had a launch event for Hendrix in Delhi and even one in Bombay, we invited people we thought would really be at the forefront of a trend like gin. They showed up uh, to this event and said, oh, wow, it looks great. The bottle looks stunning. Can I have a glass of wine? Or can I have a whiskey or a beer? No one wanted to be caught dead with, uh, with a glass of gin or a, or a gin and tonic or whatever else because gin was just unfortunately not cool at that point. Um, it was not the the first choice or the second choice uh, of drink. It had all these uh, myths. If you were drinking gin, you were most likely senior, I guess, in the sense that uh, 60, 65 year old and above. Then gin was seen as a ladies drink, as a daytime drink or something we had in a gymkhana, but really nothing beyond that. So it was really unfortunate and uh, I guess that really held back gin. Every once in a while there'd be a bartender who would say, are you sure? It's, are, are you drinking it? So maybe it was just bad PR um, with regards to gin and gin culture at that time but slowly that changed. Now instead you see things like um, Gin Explorers Club and India Cocktail Week and massive festivals targeting uh, the, the 25 to 35 year old consumer and people show up in droves and not because they want to support something because they really want to be a part of that culture. But how do these brands retain consumer interest in a category that's getting increasingly competitive? Apart from attractive pricing and a vast variety of exotic artisanal flavors, Yash tells us how they are literally adding spice to the gin. At Bombay Canteen, we worked with Stranger and Sons um, to create Peru, which is Peru spice gin called Peri Road Peru. And the idea of that came from the fact that, especially in Bombay, during the winter, you have a specific kind of guava, which is a pink guava that is seasonal that we get. And a lot of the uh, Peru walas normally serve the pink guava with a little bit of red chili on it. So it was India's first 
distilled gin cocktail in a bottle. The idea of this came in working with local, regional craft creators. So this ecosystem, I feel, needs to continue where more local craft gin producers need to work with restaurants and bars because although we see the gin market booming, the market still is very small as you, if you compare it to the whiskey market in India. So you can basically think of restaurants as loudspeakers for these craft gin makers where they can shout out their message about craft gin to a larger database of people. In another example, last November, Hapusha celebrated Himalayan ingredients, edible camphor, earl grey tea, cardamom and timber in Goa in trademark style. From whiskey to wine to now gin, imported is no longer the buzzword. Indian is. So for every Hendrix, there's a greater than. For every Tanqueray, there's a Tamras. Anand tells me more. Same thing happened with whiskey, where suddenly um, there was this news that came out, I think in 2011, that uh, there is a single malt from India that is that has been rated top three in the world. And, and suddenly everyone went gaga. Um, and this was Amrut, of course, uh, Amrut Fusion. So I think since then, there's been that feeling that local is not bad has been chipped away and steadily. On the international or imported gins, they're generic in the sense that they are found everywhere. We'll always have those uh, Hendrix or the Tanqueray's in your bar. And you absolutely should. But at the same time, for a craft segment to really flourish, you need lots and lots of options. And that really can only come from local industry. We just came back from Junipalooza, which is this kind of celebration of uh, gin. It's a meet the makers event in the UK. And every year there is one more gin that we see coming in from India. And where in the beginning, we really had to convince people in the UK that, listen, hey, we can make gin from India. But with prices between domestic and imported brands narrowing, and with excise duties on imported liquor being slashed by up to 50% in some states, will consumers continue to prefer Indian brands? What's the pull factor that's working? So there is a, like, especially with alcohol in India, there's a very big misconception that the more expensive the alcohol, the, the better the quality. Especially in India where our alcohol gets taxed at least 150% before we drink it. I feel the gins that are made in India are right now of quality that you could sell them in Europe as well. I was recently in, in Thailand and I saw a bottle of Stranger and Sons in every bar that I went to. And which is great to see. So I think we need to get that out of our head that just because we are paying a higher price for it means high quality. So I don't see to your question just because the taxes are coming down on imported liquor, um, people straying away from locally crafted gins. Anand actually believes high taxes might, in fact, play to Indian gin makers' benefit. I mean, despite all the hurdles and challenges that we have in India to creating a new product or to create a new distillery, it will still be easier for us simply because taxes are fairly high for a small but interesting or a medium-sized but interesting distillery sitting out in 
Taiwan or or Birmingham or California for them to start thinking about India as a as a as a potential market is really tough because India is massive and it's got so many legislations and 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 so many you know pitfalls in there but also from a story point of view for us to be able to tell customers about a gin made in goa or a gin made with himalayan juniper berries or a gin made with any other terroir coming out of india um is so much more interesting than unfortunately a gin made in made in birmingham there's definitely a lot of stories a lot of um a lot of flavors a lot of spices to be explored in march this year diageo owned united spirits acquired 22.5% stake in now spirits and beverages for 31.5 crore rupees a game changer for the industry i think more than anything on ground it's what it's changed is the positivity around the category i think with diageo coming in it's almost shoved indian craft gin into the limelight because obviously someone like diageo coming in and investing is not happening on a whim it's something that we and they deliberated for a good 9 months uh, before the transaction finally happens but what next the space is getting increasingly crowded how does one stay ahead of the game i think you retain consumer attention by letting everyone come in and by supporting new brands i know this sounds the opposite of what i what what i should be saying but there's so much truth to it because we really need the category to grow we need more consumers to come in there's so much more to be done there's so many more people who need to have their first uh, gin and tonic so more gins in bars around the world global awards bar exchanges it's a market that's brimming with promise and potential devika concludes if you see the amount of awards that indian gins have been getting recently from international competitions if you look at greater than if you look at stranger and sons if you look at even us uh, we won a gold medal at the san francisco world spirits competition when we were barely 2 months into the indian market indian gins are definitely ready to be on the global market of course the global market at this moment is saturated with gins that are coming from everywhere around the world you're talking about uk alone having more than 300 um craft gin distilleries let alone europe or or the united states and also bar exchanges that are happening bars from singapore and hong kong and bangkok and dubai are doing exchanges with brands um stranger and sons and uh, hapusha have done bar takeovers with international bars whether it be in their country or whether it be them coming into india and we also um in august and september will be doing bar takeovers with international bars in india using tamris as the base spirit so i would say we are definitely ready to be on the global platform with our gins as they say a lot of good stories do begin over drinks While the gin makers are pushing the envelope, customers, bartenders, and restauranters are all pitching in with equal gusto. Together, they're putting Indian boutique gins squarely on the world map. Beer on tap has been a popular choice. Will it be gin on tap soon? Perhaps this weekend is the right time to check that out. Thank you, Anand, Devika, and Yash for joining me and talking to listeners of the Morning Brief through the fascinating journey of Gen 2.0. I'm Ratna Bhushan, and you've been listening to Indian Score Vocal for Local Gin 
on the morning brief this episode was produced by surubhi modi from the economic times and swati joshi from awaaz sound editor indranil bhattacharjee from the economic times and sondarya jayachandran from awaaz executive producer arijit parman from the economic times we are signing off and hope you enjoyed listening to the episode do share the episode on your social media networks the morning brief airs every tuesday thursday and friday thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead